There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today in history, in 1892, lawmen surround outlaws Ned Christie and Arch Wolf near present-day Oklahoma. It will take dynamite and a cannon to dislodge the two of them from their cabin. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your undead god pharaoh, Zachary, and you better start telling your friends about us, or I will release the locust swarms on you. That's a spooky scary guarantee. My name is Megan. I am vaxxed, waxed, and anxious, which is a slant rhyme El Millie Dickinson would really be disappointed. Uh, anyway, that's a threat. <laughs> and I'm Matt. Today, I learned a secret so terrible that I shouldn't even mention it. Something so horrendous and grotesque that it shouldn't be uttered, for this fact's passage through the lips of man renders those lips poisoned. A secret so utterly horrible that I won't bother mentioning it to taint your fragile hearts, dear audience. I'll just get on with the episode. Well, now I want to hear it. No! Problem. No. I'm ready for my soul to be ripped from my body as I experience the cosmic dread that is your secret, Zach. That's illegal. And since I'm your friend, I will not do this to you. Okay. It's bad enough that I know. All right, everybody. um, I appreciate your time. I'm leaving to go find the Eldritch Horror in my backyard. (laughs) Is Matt in your backyard? I am. Oh. Oh, I knew it. Oh, my. Um, if you couldn't tell by all of our shenanigans, uh, dear listener, this is another one of our spooky, scary episodes in honor of All Hallows Eve. I mean, if we're going to be honest, it's like not, it's just depressing. Like, let's just, let's just call it what it is. Okay, Okay, so it's, it's in honor of the fucked upness of spooky, scary season. Today's our Halloween episode. I think you should keep it a secret. Don't. Oh no, let's you're not right. Let these black cats Guys, out of the bag. I'm not gonna spoil the secret for you. We do have a bit of a theme, and yeah. just to keep things light and interesting, I'm gonna mm-hmm. do a little rhyming game. Please. It rhymes with schmanibalism. No, why would you do this? They're never going to guess this now. (laughs) Never. It's so cryptic. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is our spooky special episode. We have played an equally spooky game of rock, paper, scissors. uh, And the order for tonight's episode is Megan, followed by me, followed by Zach, because he told me that his story was a little bit lighthearted. Which is difficult <laughs> to think about in the subject of, and again, we're playing a rhyming game. It's shmanibalism. Yeah, it's definitely as lighthearted as shmanibalism can get. Yeah, shmanibalism yeah. is not often lighthearted, but Zach has said he found a way. I found the light in the deep, 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 
I don't know. Fucking we gun. will There's see if we can make shmanibalism but... fun by the end of the night. I don't know. But we're going to start with, with a very depressing story brought to us by our friend uh, Meg Han, the Abyssal Princess. I mean, I've never really brought depressing stories, so this is No, this is really going to be a change-up for you. <laughs> a really Ooh. big change-up. You, know, you guys know that Megan is, you know, the one who brings all the happy stories from history. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> brought to you by Megan, the same person who brought you the child stealer. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, that other lady with the rabbits. Oh yeah. You know the one. We don't need to relive the fact that she stuffed those up her... Anyways. Yeah, we don't. But I have a new story for you tonight. This great story. So, um, I tried to make this very jovial. I think I failed. But here we go. We're um, leading so, off strong, huh? Tell us in the comments whether you think she did a good job. Yeah, please. Uh, so there is an age-old saying that is a lady in the streets, but a freak in the sheets. And I'm here to tell you that there are many, many lines between the freak that you want and the freak that some people provide. I... <laughs> and there's a very specific kind of freak we're looking for. Yeah, so... there's there's a freak we're looking for. There's a freak you don't want. And I'm here to tell you about the latter. Uh, so let me but... spin you a tale of horror, my Megan, friends. before you start, I just have one question. Yes. Is this a super freak? Super freak. All right, I'm done. That's it. In, I'm out Honestly, here. like the worst way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to spin you a tale of horror, my friends, because today we are going to be talking about the man, the myth, and I wish he were just a, le- a legend, um, Albert Fish. Mm. Uh, ooh, ooh, mm. Matt already knows all about it's at this. Least, so. It's at least a good sounding last name. Yeah. Mr. Fish. Mr. Fish sounds like a Harry Potter character, but I digress. Or a terrible Bond villain. Or a terrible Bond villain with only salmon-based powers. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Bond, you don't realize I can swim upstream. (laughs) Bond writes that. Q writes that down. He's like, hmm. So, um, Albert's government name was actually Hamilton Howard Albert Fish, which, as we all know, has too, too many, many names. first names. Yeah, too it's many too names. many first names. Um, oh, yeah. It's an indicator of bad things. It honestly is. It's like the first clue that someone's just not right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. too many first names is definitely a bad omen. Like, you toss the scrying bone and it's like, ah, yes, too many first names. You are doomed. Yeah, it's or people around you are. Guys, um, we're trying to front load the funny for Megan's story because we are both very much aware <laughs> that the shmanibalism is bad it's in this one. It's real in this one. It's bad in this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, he also had a lot of, like, really cute nicknames. Oh? Tell He's, me all about yeah, his like, cute nicknames. Yeah, they were really cute. Like, the Gray Man. Oh, yeah. The Werewolf of Wisteria. Ooh, cool. At least that one has alliteration. That one's cool. I like that one a lot. The Brooklyn Vampire. Oh, is that because of the shmanibalism? That might be because of the shmanibalism. I like Moon Maniac, too. Again, the alliteration. Yeah. Moon Maniac is a pretty good one. That one's really good. That's like a band name. Yeah. Ooh, I'd name a band Moon Maniac, Moon but probably Maniac not after this like story. Albert Fish and the Moon Maniacs? Ooh. Stop it, that's so good. 
He definitely is the lead singer, but also the bassist. He's also the one that <laughs> eats people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, he also went by. If Ozzy can eat a bat, I guess this Albert can Fish eat can eat a bat. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. He can't. <laughs> no, Zach. <laughs> if... Here's the problem. It's history. So he already did. He already did this. Like, this is already in the past. We can't do anything about it. He also simply went by the boogeyman, which is like really wholesome. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean,. I don't know about wholesome. It kind of seems lame considering his other monikers, you know? Well, that's what I mean by wholesome. It's anything that's really wholesome is kind of (laughs) lame. You heard it here first, folks. Anything that's wholesome is pretty fucking lame. It's kind of lame, I think is what she said. Let's not blow Megan's words out of proportion. Well, we can use that as a hashtag somewhere. Let's just make it go viral. (laughs) Wholesome is lame. Wholesome is lame. Hashtag wholesome is lame. Which is exactly what Albert thought. But <laughs> we are getting ahead of ourselves. So uh, this is the part in the story where she's like, hi, my name is Albert, and my life is kind of crazy. So how did he get here? This is the part in the story where we get a record scratch. Yeah, then we get the record scratch, but not really. I'm going to like start at the beginning. I want to give you guys the background of like how we actually did get here. Yeah, okay. He was born in 1870 in the capital of this okayish nation, Washington, D.C. Mm. His dad was roughly 43 years older than his mom. Nice. Fox. Um, is too okay. much. Yeah, no, he was I think 75. That's, that's a normal amount of time. Is it? Yeah, it's a good amount of time. It's a good amount of time. Uh, so he was like 75 when Albert was was born, which, like, that's your grandpa. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> this is well, my grandpa dad. I was going to say hi. Welcome to meet my granddad dad. Yeah, my granddad dad. You know, everybody has one of those. Right. He had three living siblings, but wanted to be called Albert, Albert after a dead sibling because he had other ones that had died previously. Oh, this is going real well right off the Yeah, bat. well, I told you. I tried. I tried, my guy. Well, that's why we were front-loading the funny. Daddy, can I be named after my dead brother? I mean, the kids in the orphanage did call him Ham and Eggs. Mm, <laughs> and he was I like, would. what if I was what if I was called Albert so I could yeah. not be called Yeah, what would you call me if I was called <laughs> Albert, huh? We'd still probably call you Ham and Eggs. Yeah, and, you know, because we're eight, you know? <laughs> and children like, are mean. I would have kept Ham and Eggs. Like, that's a funny nickname. Yeah. Be like, yeah, call me that. Hey, it's my buddy, Ham and Eggs. It's my buddy, Ham and Eggs. Him. He's a whole meal. So he spent most of his time, most of his childhood, if you will, in an orphanage where he got his really great nickname because children are cruel and clever. (laughs) The reason that he was put there is because his dad was fucking old and he died of a heart attack and no one was shocked. I'm 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 shocked he didn't his dad didn't die while he busted that nut to make uh old Albert. Dude, there, you know? I, like right? <laughs> Just like finishes my last masterpiece. Oh! My last masterpiece. My Turns last into tragedy. Dust. <laughs> that's what he. That's what he busted. It's just like a puff of dust. Oh wow. fuck! Wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm uncomfy. Um, listen, that's really funny because I didn't think of that. 
I was I was only thinking about um, like just how old he was. Yeah. Uh, so his dad died because he was really old, and then his mom was like riddled with mental illness, as was a lot of his family. See, I and thought you were so... going to say Ricketts, but you know what? Whatever. No, not she wasn't old. Remember, she was. <laughs> oh, that's right. Thirty-four years younger. Fuck. Uh, yeah, she was like a spring chicken compared to him. You know, a mentally ill spring chicken. A mentally ill spring chicken. Um, so she ended up putting him into St. John's Orphanage in, in Washington, D.C. because she couldn't really take care of him. She didn't have a job at the time either because she was struggling. Um, it was here that things really started to fuck him up because he was frequently abused in this orphanage's hallowed halls. He started to enjoy the physical pain, though, like in terms of the whippings that he got as as corporeal punishment for whatever he did that was wrong that was breaking the rules and also the other boys did bully him because children are cruel i hope they called him ham and eggs while it was happening and i can say that because he grew up to be a very bad person (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first folks a lot of first nights if you're a bad person in history people can call you ham and eggs and other if you're a bad person and like you're in history, I give past children full license to call you ham and eggs. Uh, So anyway, by 1880, his mother was able to secure a government job, and she did retrieve her son from the orphanage. And uh, in 1882, at the age of 12, he started up a relationship with this telegraph boy who uh, introduced him to some really fun things, like drinking piss Oh, Who doesn't like love to drink piss, though? Drinking piss and eating shit, you know, like good friends do together yeah. to hang out. That's what cracking, I do with all my friends. Open with the boys. Yeah. <laughs> you crack open a warm one with the boys. Yeah. Just, I'm drinking a good old warm can of piss. <laughs> yeah, I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate it, too. So, uh, around this time, Albert began visiting these public baths where he could watch other boys undress, and he would also write really obscene letters to women whose names he found in the classified section and matrimonial agencies, so he's just, like, pawing through these, pawing through these name registries being like, man, who am I gonna write a letter to? Hmm, I guess Sally like, would want a dirty letter. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess this newly married lady would love a really dirty letter. Unclear why he started that up, but whatever. This is a fun hobby that he continued with throughout his life. Oh, you know, lovely. some people have trains, other people have letters. <laughs> As Albert moved into his early 20s, he moved to New York where he became a prostitute. So it went from letters to prostitution. It's an easy jump. I I mean, sure. (laughs) I mean, who are we to say? Have you made that jump, Zach? You don't know. I I haven't made that jump yet. Yeah, it goes from I'm going to write these letters to what if I was a prostitute? What if? Well, my friend just wrote me a letter and now I refuse to write her back because I'm not ready to be a prostitute yet. Zach also wrote some of our good fans some letters. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, no. I wrote the fans' letters. I have to be a prostitute. You're already a prostitute, Zach. No! It's only a matter of time. Like a beautiful prostitute butterfly. (laughs) I don't think that's how that works, but please. You don't know anything about butterflyology. Butterflyology I mean, work in the corner, you're going to be cocooned in something, right? Yeah. All right. 
Tell us more about this man. So in his later 20s, his mother arranged a marriage for him with a woman named Anna Mary Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And she was like nine years younger than he was. Mm -hmm. And they had six children together. Great. Magically. Did he eat any of his children? No. Thank God. That is like one silver lining. Did not eat his children. Yeah. Tell me more about his silver linings, though. Yeah, there aren't many. Uh, uh, during their marriage, he worked as a house painter, and he molested boys during that time. Okay. Because I guess that's a thing. Well, you be it, it starts with letters, prostitution, you move into marriage, you become a painter, and then molestation, all right? It's less of a line and more of a squiggle. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I was going to say something clever, and it lost. I lost it because of that one little bit that my brain just registered. Fuck! <laughs> it's less... It's lot... Your career path doesn't need to be straightforward. He also became interested in sexual mutilation at this time because he went to a waxworks museum one day, and he was like, damn, that pi- bisected penis looks really dope. What if? Uh... What if? How? Don't be afraid to ask the hard questions, I always say. In 1910, he met a 19-year-old guy named Thomas Kedden, and they started up uh, a sadomasochistic relationship with him, um, and not in the fun way. Uh, He sexually tortured him. Again, not in the fun way, because I, I realized that there are lines. And he was going to kill him, because, again, it's more of a squiggle. Uh, but he realized that murder is pretty hard to cover up. He was like, oh, this is this is messier than I expected. Too much work. Yeah, he was, honestly, he was like, this is kind of a lot of work. Like, I don't feel like doing that. Um, which I can, I can appreciate the lack of work ethic. I mean, I think everyone who possibly could have been murdered by him appreciates the lack of effort on his part. <laughs> they were like, whew. Dodged a bullet. <laughs> Dodged a fucking bullet, boys. Um, but he, so instead of murdering him, he he left Kedden mutilated with a $10 bill, a kiss, and a fond farewell. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he was just like, here you go. Here's 10 bucks for your trouble, kid. Uh, it's unclear what happened to him afterwards. I couldn't, I couldn't find whether or not he lived or died. But anyway, um, in 1917, Albert's wife surprisingly left him. Oh, the shock and awe. I know, the shocking. Uh, I would have had more respect for her if she didn't leave her kids with him, though. Oh, fuck. I, <laughs> you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, <laughs> she did remember to bring all of the family's possessions with her, though. Oh. She, yeah, so she's like, I, I think I'm forgetting something as she's like bringing out the family bureau. Meanwhile, her, like, six kids are like, hey, mom, like, out the window. <laughs> mom! Mom! I'm forgetting something. What I'm... was it? What was it? Ah, yes, the mirror. Oh, yeah, the mirror. That's, and, like, her kids are in the hall as Help she's bringing me! it out. Help <laughs> like, me! So it's around this time, like, when they when they got diver- divorced. Or not divorced, when they separated. Mm. Uh, Albert began indulging in self-harm in the form of embedding needles into his groin and abdomen, which I think he just left there. Uh-huh. I think he was like, this is a great time for me and no one else. Um, he would also ask his kids to hit him with a nail-studded paddle, 
which I'm really sure did not affect their psychological development at all. No, I mean, I had to do that with my family when I was younger, and look yeah. at me now. You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. I'm just fine. Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm fine. Ducky. <laughs> I'm going to be saying, oh, fuck, a lot tonight, aren't I? Yeah, you are. I mean, that's... Oh, fuck. So, the other thing that he did, um, and I know that this isn't funny, but it's like ridiculous when you picture it is he inserted like wool doused in lighter fluid in his butt and he lit it on fire and i know that like that is not supposed okay, to be megan humorous, let's be it honest sounds like a cartoon nothing about what this man's done has been humorous listen he lit his own ass on fire and i can laugh no about that. he didn't light his ass on fire he lit a wood wool doused rod on fire and shoved it in no, his it was, ass no it was just it's you a know, different it was... thing these are two completely listen. different things now, if he had pulled a Michael Jackson and managed to light his ass hair on fire whilst shoving this rod in his butthole, that might have been funny. <laughs> this, however, is just kink shaming, and I won't stand for it. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. This is my bad. I'm in the wrong here. You certainly are. When compared to this gentleman. And here's where the cannibalism who- yeah! comes in. <laughs> I was going to say, when compared to this man who I know for a fact eats people yeah so here's where the cannibalism comes in um over the next decade his behavior really starts to go off the rails because he was staying pretty straight and narrow before now. yeah no he did oh, seem really? like a straight arrow yeah no zach don't doubt his life okay he's troubled all right zach just because you didn't end up in a cannibalism position doesn't mean that you get to judge <laughs> this man for where he ended up cannibalizing okay. people Zach's like, I'm leaving the podcast. (laughs) Zach's like, this is the night that I resign. Yeah, he's like, see you later, losers. I'm out of here. Anyway, he went back to D.C. and he went on a murder and torture spree of, you know, just people he he thought that no one would miss. Yeah. In 1924, he tried to entice an eight-year-old girl on Staten Island to come find rhubarb with him. Mm. And he was chased away by her parents because that's no child wants to go find rhubarb with an old man. Are you sure? No, I'm pretty sure. Oh. It's imagine if like an old man came up to you and said, Hey, you like rhubarb? I would probably say, I've never had it. Please take me to find <laughs> some. I'd, I'd be like, no, I don't like rhubarb. Thank you. Um, and her parents said that she didn't like rhubarb either and sold him to get the fuck off of their property. All right. So instead, he ended up killing another boy named Francis McDonald because he was also not afraid of crimes of opportunity. After his body was discovered, McDonald's friends said that they had seen him with a man with a gray mustache and that everything about him seemed faded and gray, and that's why they called him the Gray Man. Oh. oh now okay. we get to the bottom of that catchy nickname. I know. Things are starting to come, you know, full circle here. Look how I spin a tail. <laughs> Uh, at this point, Albert was suffering from psychosis, and he felt that God was commanding him to do these things, like all great men. Oh, shit. With fragile masculinity. Anyway. Oh, and, and, uh, I brought it there. 
1927, he killed a 12-year-old, and his brother told police that the boogeyman took him. So, look at that. We're starting to tick off. Yeah. Uh, oh, nickname nicknames. after nickname. Next, nickname you're going to tell me that they called him the fucking vampire of New York because um, he fucking yeah. drank blood and ate people. Oh, maybe, maybe. So when a trolley operator was shown a picture of, of Albert, the guy did confirm that he had seen him with a small boy who was crying. Uh, he then sent a letter to his attorney later saying that he ate the kid. Oh, good. There's the cannibalism. Oh, he can had a full imagine? Patrick Bateman moment. Yeah, can you imagine, like, the balls, the chutzpah? Can you imagine the oh. fucking lawyer? <laughs> The lawyer literally is just like, yeah, today's going to be a normal day. Oh, my client ate a kid. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's again, like I said, he had a Patrick Bateman moment. That moment in American Psycho when he like is like thinks he's going to get caught and he like calls his lawyer and he's like, I killed and ate some people. I killed and ate some people. Yeah, I feel really bad for the lawyer in this situation because he's just like, so do I... I too feel bad for the lawyer and have absolutely no feelings whatsoever about any of the children that were tortured and eaten. I don't care about them at all. Oi. It's mostly the lawyer, I feel. (laughs) This is another another moment where uh, Zach is going, oh, fuck. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get a picture of Eeyore and post my face on it and then just put at the bottom Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Uh in nineteen twenty eight, uh Albert answered a classified ad of a man named Edward Budd who was looking for employment. Albert went to Bud's home on the pretense of hiring Edward to do some, you know, menial labor for him. At first, he wanted to torture and mutilate Edward, but then he met Edward's younger sister, Grace, and changed his intended victim. Uh, um, as you do. Well, you know, he wasn't, again, he was a man of opportunity. A true a true entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Albert quickly made up. It. He was listen, nothing if not opportunistic. What America's built Really on. capitalizing on those great opportunities. It's true. You know, sometimes you you see it and you go for it. Albert quickly made up a story about having to go to his niece's birthday party and convince Grace's parents to let him take her. As you, I as don't you understand. Do. I don't understand why they said yes. I like, dude, I understand it was a different time. It was 1928. Apparently things were very different. Apparently like, you could just let your fucking child go away with strangers. Yeah. I don't. Maybe stranger danger hadn't become a thing yet. I don't know. But they were like, yeah, sure. She's a girl. This is a girl. Maybe they'll do girl things together at this party. Mm. Um, but they never found out because she was never seen again because he ate her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Those were the girl things that she did at the party. She got her <laughs> Just, hair braided, then her head chopped off. Yeah, hashtag girly things. Yeah, hashtag just girl things. Add, add get cannibalized to the list of be bisexual, eat hot chip, and lie. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Can we put that on there? Yeah, we can. Sure. Okay, add it to the list. Add it to the list. We did. Uh, so he then sent a letter to his attorney again. Hey, by the way, killed this girl and ate yeah, it. Yeah, and her parents. Oh, he killed their parents? I... No, like, Oh, sent he sent a, a letter. letter to the parents? So this... Yeah, so he, before he sent the letter to his attorney, before he sent both of these letters to his attorney, the way that he was caught is that 
he sent a letter detailing how he killed this girl to her parents. Okay, so for a dude who is like, oh, I shouldn't murder people, I'm gonna get caught. He's fucking being ballsy about it, ain't he, huh? Yeah, so I think, like, this was him evolving, right, or devolving, really, because, like, he was very cautious at the beginning of his murder career, and then he slowly started to devolve over the next ten years and, like, just didn't care anymore because he was suffering from like very terrible psychosis yeah Um, not that that's an excuse no not typically no it's not an excuse and a jury didn't think that was good enough good excuse either because on march 11th in 1935 because he sent that letter you know they found him and where he was living and they took him in and he's put on trial for the murder of grace bud he did claim insanity yeah uh, how'd that go for him because well, the voices of God were telling him what to do, which uh, sounds yes. like a cop-out. And also, he had several psych evaluations that confirmed he had maybe too many sexual fetiges, fetishes. Uh, there's no such okay. thing the, as being too no, kinky. No, there's, there is such a thing. Um, because on the roster was necrophilia, uh-huh. pedophilia, oh, uh, Megan. cannibalism. Megan. What? Now I have to think about this man having relations with some of these things before they became Listen, dinner. I don't. Um, I you're don't better than me because I'm imagining him having relations while they're becoming dinner. Yuck! Oh, that's now I'm imagining it. the same thing. <laughs> We're imagining too many things. We are imagining too many things. And then his attorney, who he sent this letter to, was like, "Hey, I've looked through the archives, and I cannot find anyone else that has." ever been so fucked up (laughs) (laughs) no shit sherlock he literally said that in court he was like he's like yeah i've poured through the records and i can't find anyone that's as fucked up as my client please yeah he's like you you gotta do something about this he was like if it's gross it makes this guy hard like we we need to we need to nip that's really gross yeah, it's really gross. Oh, now so, the ghost well, of Albert Fish is hard. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. no. He loves it. Yucca. Well, none of the jurors doubted that he was insane. They did explain after the trial that he should just be executed anyway. They ruled that he was sane so that he could be put to death. And did they put him to death? Absolutely, my friend. They electrocuted that bad boy. Make him fry. Oh. Zap, make zap, rhyme, zap. I bet that's probably and how he so liked to after, eat them. Yeah, probably. Fried. He did. He put them in the oven. Oh, so big. And then after his execution, his attorney did say that he had a final statement that was written, uh-huh. um, like hours before his death. And when the press asked him to read it, he said that he would never show it to anyone because it was the most filthy string of obscenities that he had ever <laughs> read. And that is my grand tale. I just about feel Albert Fish. bad for the lawyer. I feel it bad yeah, for everyone well, yes. in this story. I f- also Except for feel Fish. Bad. No, Fish deserved to die like a dog in the street, to be honest. But, like, in conclusion, I tried to make this story as upbeat as possible. Okay, there's no um, upbeats when we're dealing with, again, friends, we're rhyming, shmanibalism. So, but I think we did a good job of at least making a lighthearted situation. Uh, out of it. There's also a movie about him. If you I guys don't are care. Interested. Yeah, n- not sure I want to watch that one. 
Is it the gray man? Um, no, I think it's... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's called Albert Fish. That's fucking dumb. Yeah. Okay, well, but Megan chewed up a lot of time there. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm, I tried to get through I'm it. also going to chew up a lot of time. It's a special episode. It is we a can special episode. Long. We can do whatever the fuck we want. We write the rules. Fuck off, audience. Before I Actually, start. Audience, no, no, I'm sorry. Don't, don't fuck off. Come on back. Before we start, I just want to say a quick shout out to one of our fans uh, whose birthday it is this week. Congratulations on having a birthday this week. I don't know which fan that pertains to, but it'll be really scary for them in that moment. (laughs) We know who you are, and we just want to wish you a very happy birthday. And congratulations for surviving another year. So, for those of you who knew me in college, which based on our download download numbers alone is none of you, um, you would know that I love me some Jameson's Irish whiskey. Uh, so much so that any time I went drinking, I'd start the night with a shot of Jameson. But today, I will be talking about a dark story in the Jameson lineage. <laughs> Sometime in the year 1888, James Jameson... Uh, who was the heir to the Jameson whiskey fortune, was out out on an expedition which took place in what is now the Republic of Congo. Uh, James. I love the Congo. The Congo is a great place. I've never been, but I hear great things. So much rubber. (laughs) (laughs) Is the only thing I know about it. So James, like so many other rich people, fancies himself as a bit of an adventurer. But, just like other rich people, he does his adventuring on the backs of much more storied explorers. And this is the case with his journey in 1888, when he joined the Emin Pasha Relief Expedition, which was led by Henry Morton Stanley. The purpose... Name... Yeah, Listen, there's so many names. He has too many names. Far too he many has names. Too many names. And he's he's, he's got yeah. We're on that's three first names as a first, middle, and last name. We've we've okay, ventured okay. Um, too far. Alright. I will actually challenge that because Matt named me one person you have met named Morton. Uh, the gentleman who made the salt. Oh no, that's their last name. Sorry. Oh wait, no, no, that's <laughs> um, Sam Samuel Morton. Yeah, but his first name... That's a last name. Yeah, that's what I'm... So he's got two first names, so we're not really getting... But we're two-thirds fucked up. We're two-thirds fucked up, yeah. Anyways, the purpose of the journey of the Amin Pasha Relief Expedition 
was uh, to bring aid to people who had been cut off after a recent revolt. And then later it was discovered that the actual purpose of the fucking thing was to, uh, you know, annex more land in the Congo. But enough about that. Um, Through a series of events, James Jameson ends up in command of the rear column with the help of a man named Tipu Tib, who is described in his journals as, quote, a local fixer. Ooh, that's not ominous at all. I don't know what that means, but it sounds terrifying. Honestly, I wish that's what I was known as in my community. Like people <laughs> yeah. only could only knew about me through word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. they had to like come to me, and I had a beaded curtain. Yeah, 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 and yeah Mostly, yeah, I just yeah, want yeah. a beaded curtain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's an easy okay, fix. Megan. Just here's the thing. Curtain. Yeah, like I was gonna say, you can live this dream of yours this impossible dream that you've set for yourself is very easily fixed with With three things three things a bank account a beaded i was gonna say a beaded curtain yeah a fog machine machine. and some festive colorful lights writing it down so that we can keep track of megan on amazon as we speak please go on while i continue shopping please don't shop in the middle of my story um i need to become a witch oh okay fair enough please continue So accounts of what happens, my story in particular, um, are sketchy at best because they come from multiple sources. But by his own account, James, our little rich boy extraordinaire, explorer extraordinaire, if you will, was fascinated by the concept of, say it with me, audience, shmanibalism. Oh. He wrote about it often in the diary that he kept while he was out on his adventure. He had had multiple conversations with supposed cannibals. Uh, There is an entire section of his diary where he describes the cannibals that he spoke to believing that the coloration of a white man's skin comes from fat. So, essentially, white people were black underneath all their skin because the white was just, like, fat deposits that had grown on the top of their skin. And therefore, they made better roasts. I feel gross. I also feel (laughs) gross. I felt gross during the entirety of researching this story. But I did it for our loving fans, which is why I need you to come back and share this with your friends. Uh, maybe not this particular episode. Definitely start with last year's Halloween episode because it was a little bit lighter. I did talk about a cannibal then too, but hey, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that guy ate babies, but uh, so in his journal he describes a story which I will re- relate to you word for word because as I mentioned, he did publish a diary on the subject of his travels, and so I will describe this for you using the words that James himself used. Uh, The following is an excerpt directly from the diaries of James Jameson. Tipu Tib, who came in before it was over, told me that they usually kill several people and have a grand feast, for the Wakusu are terrible cannibals. He then told me, amongst other stories, that long ago, when fighting near Malela, they killed a great many of the enemy. The natives who were with him were cannibals, and not a body could be found the next morning. 
He tells me that two men will easily eat one man in a night. So that's one little excerpt that James writes about in his book, uh, detailing a little bit of his man. Yeah. Detailing his, uh, his fascination rather with cannibalism. I'm just like, does he pipe? Like, does he anaconda it? What's up? No, they, they cut up the bodies and they eat them. I don't know. That just seems like such a big meal. That's just like a lot of yeah, protein. Yeah, but it's like dude. it's two men, and when you think about it, so these are different regions of the world where people are not grown as big as we are grown here. Oh yes, the harvests are the harvests are not as bountiful when taking uh-huh. from different. Um, so odds are that these were not as hefty Mm -hmm. as current day americans and so there was probably less meat on the bones um thank you for thank you for yeah no you're absolutely welcome i can share recipes later oh good so james details talking to uh tipu and saying that uh most people from his country that being uh you know wherever the fuck he came from uh, believed these to be travelers' tales. So James is talking to Tipu, and he's like, I think these are fucking lies. These are travelers' tales. Cannibals don't really exist. Uh, he writes in his diary, James continues to write in his diary, that Tipu relayed this information to another man named Ali, who was traveling with them. And the man named Ali quickly retorted with, Fetch me a piece of cloth and see." So, for those of you that are squeamish, um, you shouldn't be listening to a fucking history podcast. James then sends a boy in his employment to fetch six handkerchiefs, uh, because according to his notes, he did not believe that they were being earnest. He thought that it was just a joke. Again, he prefaces all of this by thinking that cannibalism is traveler's tales. Um, does anybody in the class want to take a guess as what happens next? Uh, they cook and eat a man. Ooh, it would be fun if it was a man. It's depressing because it's not. Is it the child that got the <laughs> handkerchief? I wish it was. Uh, no, I don't, I, I don't wish it was. I'm actually annoyed because it is a child, but... Um, I will again... I'm actually annoyed that so many children are being uh, So many children are being eaten. We started with Albert Fish. We are ending with... Well, not ending with, because Zach still has a story. But uh, we are moving into James Jameson, who watches a child get stabbed. And I will again read directly from James' diary. Presently, a man appeared, leading a young girl of about 10 years old by the hand. And I then witnessed the most horribly sickening sight I am ever likely to see in my life. He plunged a knife quickly into her breast, twice, and she fell on her face, turning over on her side. Three men then ran forward and began to cut up the body of the girl. Finally, her head was cut off and not a particle remained, each man taking his piece away down the river to wash it. The most extraordinary thing was that the girl never uttered a sound, nor struggled, until she fell. Until the last moment, I could not believe that they were in earnest. So, oh, just as a lark, James Jameson decides to hand a man six handkerchiefs. 
A slave girl from a nearby village is purchased for the amount of six handkerchiefs, and then she is brutally stabbed and dismembered in front of him, and the thing that he remarks on is (gasps) that she didn't scream when she died. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Wow. You know, sometimes you remember the little things. Yeah, the little things, like how that little girl didn't scream when she was stabbed after I paid six handkerchiefs to watch her get stabbed. Yeah, whole handkerchiefs. Six whole handkerchiefs? Six whole handkerchiefs. Can you believe that a man was that rich? The craziest thing about this, though, (laughs) is that he then, like, goes to his tent and begins sketching the scene... While it's still fresh in his mind. Like, he's... He just... He fucking... He's like, ooh, that's a thing that actually happened, and I need to sketch it because I am sketchy. Uh, I need to draw this down before I wake up and think it was all a fever dream. Yeah, and his wife was with him on the trip, and, you know... oh. Her description of the events is also similar in that, like, they thought it was just fun. Now, when he gets back to his home country and publishes his fucking diary, people are, like, outraged. They're like, how did this this gentleman pay six handkerchiefs to see a girl get stabbed and eaten and nothing happened to him? And it seems that the written defense of... Oh, I did it all for a laugh. Uh, was enough, really. Um, he saw no charges. No, no shit occurred. I mean, I think there was, there was some general uproar, we could say. Yeah. But there wasn't enough to completely bankrupt his business. Um, which is why Jameson Whiskey still exists today. Uh, he was never thrown in jail, and as far as I could research, he didn't really face a trial. So... Well. I, I like how white men have always just been... They can just get away with whatever. Yeah, if you have six handkerchiefs to throw around, you can get whatever you want. Oh, listen, you know, I wish I had six handkerchiefs to throw around. You think I'd be going to work every day? I also wish I had six handkerchiefs to throw around. I'd be like, sir, I don't think you understand. I have a net worth of six handkerchiefs. Thank you. The funny thing is, so we had been doing research a little bit ago, and we were talking about this this Halloween spectacular. Uh, spooktacular, if you will. And we were having conversations about, like, what stories we might be interested in doing. And I was like, hey, I might do this one. And, I mean, this is a little peek behind the curtain. I had been having a conversation with my friends that I did believe James uh, had procured the death of a child with ten handkerchiefs. And then I was like, you know what? That might not be the truth. And sure enough, it wasn't ten. It was six. So I guess 10 would have just been too much to spend on a child's death. Yeah, because, no, 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 Mr. Jameson, you see, is a businessman. Yeah. A wheeler-dealer, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And 10 handkerchiefs is far too much for shits and giggles. Far too much. I do also want it to be noted for the record that my notes for this episode came out to exactly 666 words. Oh, okay. Which is fun. Uh, But my story is super over. 
that's the story of how a rich man paid six handkerchiefs to watch a 10-year-old get stabbed and eaten. Man. And then he drew I, about I it I'm in like, his journal, in his diary. I think I'm, like, still a little bit confused about the handkerchief to real money conversion. I also am confused about this because... Okay. Good. Like so, like, it doesn't so, make sense. Yeah. So this is my thought, and I'm really confused because in the details of the research that I did showed that they did have a currency in that part of the world, which were like these little metal rods that they used to trade. I forget the yeah. name of them now. I I'm sorry that uh, I don't have that readily available, but there was a currency, and so I'm not entirely sure why then. The trade was six handkerchiefs for a 10-year-old's life. I I also don't don't know if, like, was six handkerchiefs... Was that the reason why it was a 10-year-old girl? Had he given 10 handkerchiefs, would it have been, like, a full adult male? Um, Was it just a crime of convenience because... As I mentioned, uh, this girl had been a slave. She had been, I think, captured in... Like a, like a battle, a previous battle, if I remember my research correctly. And I understand that, like, this is the wrong thing to be focusing no, on but in this story. Because, like, someone did A child did murdered. die because of six handkerchiefs. Yeah, like, but it is a the, good... I think it's at it's least confusing. an interesting question to be asking. I mean, the logistics of the child's death are terrible. They still happened whether or not we have this philosophical debate. I, in the course of researching this question, asked myself several times how many handkerchiefs I would be worth. Uh, What would my life worth in handkerchiefs be? I think that that's an existential question none of us are ready to tackle. I don't think any of us should ever be ready to tackle it. So, uh, (laughs) hey guys. Yes, Zach, tell me more things. Oh, this is the jovial one. Oh, yeah, one. no, this was going to be the lighthearted one. Yeah, guys. Yeah. I, I, uh, I lied. Oh, no, it's Zach. No, 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 no. See, when it's you not, tell me that it's going to be lighthearted, I expect a lighthearted story about cannibalism. You please. liar. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. Uh-huh. I, I don't, I don't want to do this. Oh. I know I made some undead mummy jokes in my intro, but like, bye, guys. Mummies are cool and Victorian people are fucked up. Oh, it's another Victorian guy? I did Victorian shit for last year. I'm doing Victorian shit for this year. Well, at least you're keeping with the theme. You're consistent. Okay. So, so here's the thing. If you, to to set a little bit of a big background. Hey, Zach. Sorry. I don't want to interrupt you too much, but um, do I have your permission to use the remaining oh fucks that you had in your bag over here? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 cool. I'm just going to grab the bag of oh fucks so that I can say that as many times as I possibly need to. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks So, so much. If you look up a bunch of literature in modern early Europe, uh, one word kind of creeps up a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Cannibalism? And that, no. Oh. The word mummy. Ooh. Uh, but it kind of gets used in some weird context. Oh, fuck. And this discovery, which I will actually attribute to someone other than myself, uh, was originally made by Louis Nobel, or Noble, I don't know the pronunciation. I will do both, because fuck it, why not? So, Louis Noble of the University of New England in Australia. Go New England and Australia, I guess, too, but... Um, so, there is a reason that mummy pops up a lot. And in literature, that word is used alongside other words, like 
sweetness. Because, hey, everyone, Victorian England, all cannibals. All cannibals, whether you realize it or not. Stop okay, it. Okay, no, here we go, no, everybody. Stop it. Fucking strap is... in. Okay. Okay, because uh, human remains. Oh, fuck. Human remains. Yes. Were the main ingredient in a lot of medicine. No, they weren't. Yup, germ theory is pretty new, guys, but guess what? When in doubt, eat a corpse. No, that's not a saying. It is now, baby. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Hashtag eat a corpse. Hashtag eat a corpse. In the 16th and 17th centuries, many Europeans, including royalty, priests, and scientists, etc., etc., decided it was just a grand idea to take a bunch of human bones and blood and fat and just make medicine out of it yeah and for everything yeah and 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 i mean everything medicine with human remains in it was used to cure and i use that term so lightly everything from headaches to epilepsy wow and guess where did they source this good good bone medicine uh stolen egyptian mummies by my guess Oh, yeah, that's correct. Oh, mostly you know it. Egyptian tombs and Irish burial grounds. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, so, yes. do, you know, do you know how there's that meme um, that's been going around for a while that it's just, that's like about the British Museum, you know, stealing? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone's like, they should give it back. It's like, well, you can't give back what your ancestors ate. You can't give back that good, good bone juice, everybody. Yeah, sorry. Which, by the way, this is the reason that there are not a lot of real Egyptian mummies left to study. Because we ate them all! Did we or did our Victorian ancestors? I'm not English at all. Your Victorian ancestors ate them and I'm fucking judging you. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) You thought putting human remains on display in a museum was bad, Megan? Oh, I casually see you observing a corpse and I raise you, grinding them up into dust and making my tummy feel better. Fuck you up the bunghole, ye old England. Do you think that's why they all constantly felt like shit? Probably. Yeah, probably. I thought the Spanish flu was bad. I guess no. I know. I know the cure to the Spanish flu. Lots and lots of bone juice. Nope, that's not true. That's why they died. During this time, in profound, and I use that term again, also so lightly. It was less of a moral gray area that you should eat this corpse, but more like, what part of this corpse should I eat? Wow. Top market was Egyptian mummy, naturally, as you pointed out, Matt, which basically was just pounded into dust. Doesn't seem like a lot of work, so cool, cool, cool. And then mixing it with alcohol to make a tincture and slugging that shit down. Hmm, I say, my good man, this tastes a little bit dusty. What's in it? Any any guesses what it was meant to cure? <gasps> Did it make my pee-pee hard? Would it have made my pee-pee mm. hard? Oh, that makes only sense. if your name is Fish. Oh. Okay. Um, it definitely did that to is him. Is it supposed to cure uh, death itself? No. Yeah, did it increase longevity? No. Probably, they probably sold it as that, but it was get made for um internal bleeding. Oh! Uh, and if that you tried this, no. y- you'd probably be as dead as the fucking mummy. Mm. 
Skull fragments were used to help with headaches and other cranial maladies. And I mean, your head hurts, so why not add more head? That That makes makes sense. sense. That's like fighting fire with fire. Let me fight my headache with another person's head. Yeah, pretty much. Ground into a fine powder and dissolved. Thomas Willis, a 17th century pioneer of brain science, fucking pioneer of brain science, brewed a drink for apoplexy, which, if you don't know, is where you pass out from brain hemorrhaging or having a stroke. Yeah. Too much blood flowing around outside that good, good jelly bowl. And he had this cure, quote unquote, that was powdered up human skull and chocolate. Yes! You know, why not have yourself a corpse crunch bar? Let's fucking go. My guy. You are speaking you are speaking all kinds of my language right now. Fuck your ginkgo. This is the real good good brain juice, baby. I love that we keep describing it as good good too, because it's <laughs> not. It's not I'm at just, all. it's this is how this is marketing. I have not studied marketing, yeah, no. but this, this is how Zach you do is it. our marketing professional here. So I am the marketing professional, and I'm telling you, good, good. It's the newest trend this year. Wonderful. So isn't brain juice made from real brains? Mm. Fuck. Anyway, King Charles II of England liked to just chug what he called the king's drops for his depression, which was just booze and human skull. And if alcohol fixes outside boo-boo, I guess regular alcohol fixes inside boo-boo. Yeah. But mix it with some skull, my boy, for your good king! Man, I did not know that all I needed to cure my depression was alcohol, which I'm already using, and skull fragments, which I can ethically source from a local graveyard at night. Ethically, maybe. Not really. Unethically. Unethically, ethically, who cares? Yeah. All right. But then again, this is King Charles II, and kings be doing what kings be doing. They do some weird and morbid shit, so I'll give him a slight pass. No. Very slight, because fuck you all for making me research this, and I hope you're happy. (laughs) Because I'm not. I liked how very subtly Zach was like, I'm going to give him a pass. And I was like, no. No. <laughs> Shouldn't. So, blood. Yeah, blood. Let's talk about blood. Let's talk about blood, baby. Yeah, blood, the fresher, the better, baby. Okay. Because it was thought to contain the vitality of the body it came from yeah. and was chugged on the reg. Okay, but let's so, talk hey, about the fact that all the people that this body, <laughs> this bodily fluid came from were, in fact, dead. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That was the other problem. It didn't really work because there were, and then they were just like, oh, well, it came from a tainted sauce. No, this, but, this to me sounds hilarious. Okay, look, you describe this as like, you gain the vitality of this person. And it's like, this person was dead. Their vitality is negative one. <laughs> you gain their vitality and they were not vital. Yeah. Oh, All right. Man. So, you know, hey, you know, from software and Bloodborne, mm. the fucks over in England with their ruffled collars did it first, I guess. That's oh, probably where they uncomfortable. got. That might have been where the inspiration came from. That was definitely the inspiration. So, what does all this disgusting insanity boil down to, though? Uh, Basically, the leading theory was that to fix what's wrong with something is, you know, something like it. 
So balance the fucking equation on this one, doctors. And I use that term loosely. Yeah, it's fighting fire with fire. <laughs> you give skulls for head issues, blood just, for yeah. overall issues, but and skin for skin of, issues. But it kind of makes sense, though. Like, Victorians yeah. were idiots, but, like, <laughs> they were... <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Victorians were fucking dumbasses. Yeah, they yeah. were dumbasses, but, like, okay, so you're like, I got a headache. What? Do, I don't know. We have... It hurts. Yeah. What do okay. I do? Uh, have you considered eating more head got, like have i don't you considered know considered boning down you got ghosts in your blood with real you bones do, you should do skull cocaine about it yeah Pretty i don't much. know like in a way it it does make sense in a world where you're like i just want to feel better yeah yeah again i get it it's like again this is still fucked but i can at least see the logic given any other conclusion mm. then again the Romans liked to chug the slain gladiator blood to absorb their vitality, too. So, hey, y'all, humans are fucked up. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I would also like to note that our friends, the fucking Puritans, at the time, Fuck the were shitting... Fuck the Puritans. They were shitting all over the Catholics for doing the whole, this is my body and blood bit. Yeah, yeah. Because they were like, ah, oh, body and blood, that's fucked up. And um, also everyone was lying off their asses about the Native Americans being cannibals. All while taking some good, good corpse juice for everything. Mm. I can see how you would think that this was hypocritical. But it's, if you take some time to... God said so. If you take some time to look at the uh, research... And then right, it's just okay. a guy throwing paper in the air and running out of the room as quickly as possible. If you take yeah. some time to consider, I don't give a fuck about your opinions. Yeah. Um, now, see, I'm, I'm coming in back uh, here at the end of my story yeah. with my, my nice, quiet, calm voice. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, Megan, dear listeners, I'm tired mm-hmm. of yelling. I'm tired of being upset about this because, well... It's a lot of energy, and eventually I want to make sure that I leave some good blood that helps give other people vitality <laughs> so I can't get too angry. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so you gotta, I, you got to calm down your humors. Yeah, yeah i got to calm down my humors. So to wrap this up before I descend into some kind of cosmic madness from seeing the eldritch abomination that is humanity, I'd just like to note that there is some good that came out of this. Uh-huh. Because if we think about things in modern times and modern solutions, because modern problems require, require modern, modern solutions, solutions, of course, there is a way of thinking about this that has actually helped humanity. We do this currently in today's society in a much less fucked up way. People get into tragic car accidents and they are dangerously hurt. And what is one of the main things that we do? Uh, we definitely don't cannibalize them. No, but we do give them blood transfusion. That's true. And when a family friend or a f- you know is sick and they need a kidney transplant, well, we got two of them, and I'm only using one of them, so we can help someone out. Yeah. So as much as the fucked upness of eating other people, dead or otherwise, has been something throughout history, I would like to end on the note that while we no longer consume the flesh of our fellow man, we have found a way to help each other out with our bodies uh, in ways that we probably never would have thought of 
in Victorian England. <sighs> well, dear listeners, um grateful for those well-dressed idiots. <laughs> I don't know about well-dressed. The ruffles were a bit much in my uh my Listen, they're classic. Sometimes you can't sometimes you can't go wrong with too many ruffles. Ladies I and gentlemen, as we come to the end of this spooky, spooky episode regarding cannibalism, cannibalism. I'm not sure if you caught the fact that the rhyming the entire time was about cannibalism, in fact. Shmanibals. Yeah. I would like to thank you all for coming and joining us on this spooky episode of our podcast. I would like to now ask... A final question. What the fuck, history? If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.